Hi, I'm KS Garner, and you're listening to the Solo Nerd Podcast. Today, I'll be speaking with the writer and co-host of the Be Gay Do Piracy podcast, Jennifer Spearco, here to promote her creative endeavors, provide advice to fellow writers, and convert as many people as possible to the Our Flag Means Death fandom before the start of the second season. Welcome, Jen. Hi. Hi, Kayla. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for joining us today. But um, outside my introduction, who is Jennifer Spearco in her own words? Well, I am a middle-aged, lifelong nerd. I'm a a recently out uh, pansexual woman living in Appalachia. Yeah, living in Appalachia. So, um, and it was during this creative process that helped me kind of come out and come to terms with that. And so I'm I'm just kind of doing my best. Like a lot of folks who like creative endeavors, I am trying to find time for those things. But my day job is working with the Girl Scouts, which is an organization that I love, so. Yeah, I just realized that I was pansexual. I think it was like right in the summer, like in the spring, summer of 2020, when we were all in lockdown. Mm-hmm. And someone had <laughs> right. mentioned how um, being in lockdown allowed us to kind of get to know ourselves a lot more and sure. like, what we liked and what we didn't like and who we were outside of work, right? And right. outside right. of the performative, performative acts that we were putting on because we're sure. constantly at work, like with uniforms and how we did our hair and mm-hmm. how we speak. Whereas being in lockdown, we didn't really have to put on any of that anymore, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I think that's a, I think that's a really great observation. You know, people like I'm, I'm, I don't mind saying my age, I'm, I'm 54. And, you know, in the eighties, there was this kind of like wink, like everybody sort of knew like, oh, sure. Maybe you've made out with girls or guys or whatever, but just experimenting wink, you know, it wasn't really, it wasn't really a thing that we thought about as being part of our identity. And that's always, you know, I always wonder what life would have been like if I had had this experience when I was a generation younger, but you know, it's, it's better late than never. And like you said, we have all these boxes that we put ourselves into and um, man, I think fewer boxes is better, but having some labels and some identities does help us, right? It gives us, there's power in Mm -hmm. saying I'm pansexual or I'm queer, you know, there's a real connectivity with other people in the community that owning that label gives us um so it's not really a box in that it's limiting it's it's more like a, a thing that connects us uh-huh. and also want to mention you mentioned the girl scouts i had actually um i was a temp actually for the girl scouts here in baltimore city it's like hey. i didn't realize it was like right up the street from where i live at um it, and it's actually across the street from a hearing impaired school which i didn't even know existed as well so that was experience that I had so yeah it was I mean it was nice working there and um when I left there it's actually the uh like I think like a week later I published my first book so it was a lot going on that summer (laughs) wow Wow. (laughs) um but let's start off with uh be gay do piracy podcast so what is the podcast actually about and what do you and Lee discuss on the show basically with it's um uh, it's just a fan cast about the show, and we um, we talk about all different aspects of of our flag means death. I think um, you know um, there's ten episodes of that show, and there are already eighteen episodes of our podcast, which tells you something about the richness 
of, of the show. We spend a, we do a lot of talking about representation um, on the show. Somebody asked us, um, we appeared at the first con around the show and somebody asked us in 10 years, what will you say to people? Like why you connected with this? And um, we agreed it's the, it's, the, it's the representation. It's we are seeing ourselves, a lot of us in different ways, race, sexuality, um, body type, right? Um, uh, uh, age, you know, this is a show with middle-aged uh, queer romance at the core of it. There's fat characters who never get made fun of. There are characters, um, you know, there are indigenous characters, there are black characters, and their race is not ignored, but it's also not, you know, like it's not a tokenism thing. There's, it's just, it's really, really great. So we spent a ton of time talking about that. Disability, we did several episodes about rep disability representation. I'm a person with rheumatoid arthritis. My husband is hearing impaired. So we connect with that. We've talked about neuro um, neurodivergence on the show and how people have connected with that. So we don't really go through it plot by plot. We just pick themes or ideas that it's more like the show raises these these issues or these these things um, that we that we talk about. Um, we get really silly sometimes. We talk about um, you know things that make us laugh and, and, and goof all things here in October. We're talking about, you know, spooky things. We just recorded an episode about, not really about the show, but just about pirate horror movies and which ones are good and, and, uh, and stuff like that. So it's more like the show is a jumping off point for talking about different, different topics that, you know, come up for us. Uh -huh. Um. So how has it been for you and Lee getting guests on your show? And how do you two typically navigate the conversation with an extra person as opposed to it just being the two of you? Right. So we've been friends for a while. Uh, although I have to say we've gotten a lot closer friends doing the show. It's really interesting how, you know, how that has bonded us. Um, and so we do have a real dynamic between us. And it's always interesting when we have that third person. Sometimes only one of us interviews the person. And that's not really so much an artistic choice as a scheduling choice. Mm -hmm. um, as for how we get those folks, um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I continue to be flabbergasted that people will want to come to the show. I think the first, the first guest that we had was a fan artist. Um, and they, uh, they just had made a, an animation, you know, a video that I love. It was just my favorite. It's still my favorite. Um, it's still my favorite video. And so I just messaged them on, uh, on Twitter and was like, hey, I just started this podcast. Would you be on it? Um, the first, I guess, sort of, you know, person who was really affiliated with the show was Kendall Wells, who was the, the stuntman who, who did the whip work. So folks who've seen the show know there's a whole kind of episode that kind of centers on, on, on whip work and a big important plot point happens because of it. And I think he had popped up in like a Facebook group that Lee was on. And so they just messaged him and we're like, uh, Hey, uh, Kendall, we do this podcast. And he said, yes, for some reason. <laughs> um, we've had um, the same thing happened with, with Rob Vincent, the artistic director. And then it happened with Damien Gerard. So I think it's more about, I feel like the people who have worked on that show really have enjoyed that experience. And so they're open to talking more about it. Um, but we literally are just cold emailing or messaging people and saying, um, hey, do you want to do, do this thing with us? Um, and they say yes. 
a couple of people are folks I know personally, um, which is a little bit different process, you know. Um, but yeah, those those strangers, those celebrities, if you will, um, we've just been really lucky, and, and we're so grateful that they do it. Um, I when I interviewed the crew who put together the con, our con means death, which happened up, uh, in late uh, September. Um, one of them was saying they were so impressed to be on a podcast, and I was sitting there on the mic thinking. I'm so impressed that they agreed to be on it. So it was a little bit of a mutual, mutual admiration society. That was the most chaotic interview because it was four people. Uh-huh. So it was me. Yeah, it was me and four people. But because they had been working together for months and months, they did a really good job of kind of um, passing the mic, if you will, right? And so each of them taking turns and it ended up going really well. Um, the most chaotic interview is when we did with Ruth Hansen, who is a, a writer and a screenwriter, and um, and she's put together a project called uh, Ladies of Fortune, which is going to be a pilot. It's a show about pirates. Imagine that. Um, uh, some historical pirates, Anne Bonny and Mary Reed and the real Calico Jack and, and stuff. And she was just such a ball of energy. I don't even know that you would consider that an interview so much as it was just popcorn ideas and laughing at each other and you know and stuff so um so each interview has been really different um because the people have been so different um but we don't so much have a process because all the people are so different so we're asking you know somebody like Rob Vincent what's it like to design a pirate ship versus what's it like to design the mines of Moria you know which was the project that he worked on um you know what are how does one get into your line of work? What does the production designer even do? Because maybe people listening don't know that. Um, but when we're talking to you know somebody like Ruthie Hansen, we're like, please tell us about your project that you're working on, and then she's just off and running, you know. So, um, so I think I think just being kind of open and sensitive to what the people who were who were interviewing, what's their deal, right? What do they want to talk about? What's their X they've got to grind, or what's their thing that they're interested in, and and kind of giving them space to do that. Um, and it usually goes really well. I mean, these are really creative, interesting, cool people. And funnily enough, when you give creative, interesting, cool people space to, to say things, they say interesting, cool things. So speaking of Damien Gerard, who was um, a guest on the show, um, he had DM'd the Dungeons and Dragons game, right? For the yeah. Did for I got the to be on that, yeah. You got to be yeah. on that. So how, how was that? Oh my gosh, it was so fun. Um, this was a, ch- a charity benefit that um, another podcaster, um, Leah, with um, Not Another Damn Fandom Show, put together to raise money for abortion access, which is obviously, you know, a huge issue for me being here in Tennessee, which is um, right around the time we did that show was when our trigger law went into effect. So, it's a, you know, it's, a, it's, it's, it's an important issue for all of us, obviously, but especially for those of us in states like that. Um, and so we, um, you know, it was, it was the technical side of it was pretty chaotic. Like I played Dungeons and Dragons, of course, and um, I shouldn't say of course, but you know, I'm a middle-aged nerd, obviously. I Dungeons and Dragons, um, and I play online ever since quarantine. I've, I've, I've been playing an online campaign, so I was, you know, kind of comfortable with that. But streaming it, there's just a lot of technical stuff, and you know, there was weird stuff with audio, and and I just my hats off to Leah who put it all together because I think she was really working really hard she's monitoring the chat and she's you know paying attention to the technical stuff that was all pretty much invisible to us thank heavens like we were just playing 
so it was really fun. Um, but folks who were watching it, I think, you know, got a little glimpse maybe of some of the of some of that. But, um, but it was great. You know, he had put together a little, just a little one shot, and we had been instructed to pick up characters before that. And I played Brotz, which was a a, a gnome uh, cleric. And um, and I had never met any of those people before, uh, even online. I think the only person I had ever talked to was Damien Gerard himself and Leah, who had put it together, none of the other players. So that's always kind of interesting. You know, you're kind of doing this thing with with total strangers. Um, so it was fun. You know, we it was it was it was clear that we all were kind of a little bit um, in awe slash in love with Damien because he's such a cool guy you know he's got that wonderful voice um and all that but he he did a really good job i think i think being a dungeon master is a it's a very particular skill and being a dungeon master on a stream you know that whole matt mercer brendan lee mulligan vibe you know that is an even more rarefied skill i think he could do it i don't know if that's within his you know within his ambitions to, to do as a job, but he did a really good job of kind of reining us in when we got a, people got a little bit out of control. And obviously he's a talented actor, so he was great at all the voices and all that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, it was good. It was, it, it was exhausting. It ran for six hours. So I think that's one thing maybe that, you know, if we were doing it again, maybe we would, we would want to think a little bit more about kind of the timing and, and the scope of it just from a gameplay standpoint. Um, but, um, but it was neat, you know, I, I really, um, connected with a couple of folks in the game and, and, and really felt like, you know, this is someone I would actually enjoy sitting around a table rolling real dice with sometime, maybe. Um, and we raised, you know, over, I think the total between the merch and the people donating on the stream was, um, like $1,600 we raised for abortion access, yeah. which was great. Yeah. I was one of the people because I had talked it up, um, who had a few, kind of I'm gonna say fans but I'm putting in quotation marks um <laughs> who were um who had started kind of created an, an ad hoc team called I think they called themselves Jen's Gems and they were like daring each other to donate money in the chat and stuff and you know it was like with a lot of the industry when people donated money things happened in the game so we would get a magic item or the dungeon master would get a mean trap to throw at us and so that element of chaos you know, added to the fun, I think. So anyway, yeah, it was, it was a great experience and I would, I would happily do it again, you know, especially if it was to raise money for, for a cause like that. I was, it was, it was really a neat thing to be part of. Yeah. I, I can say from experience from, um, DMing my, trying to DM my own game that it is exhausting and those were eight hour games. Mm. So. Oh my God. Bless your heart. I, yeah, I would, the next day I was sleeping to like 10 o'clock like I couldn't <laughs> insane and yeah, it's, just like, it's a lot. everybody's looking to you for answers and it's like I'm making this up just as much as you are I don't know right it kind of sounds like yeah you have these people who have these really important jobs whether they work behind the camera or in front of the camera it's all really just kind of seeing the human in these people and, right. and just kind of I mean we, we we may not be best friends but just creating that safe and open environment that people can talk and share right. whatever little bit or however much they want to yeah or yeah. the interest you know everybody's got something to say right mm -hmm. like everybody's got something they want to say and, um, and one thing we do, um, it's, we have several like little regular bits. And one of them is um, 
I did ask about swearing, but we'll say FMK, game that probably some of you know, which we have rebranded as Dead Dead Head. Um, and so sometimes we just have people on Twitter, like they're not celebrities or whatever. We just message people and say like, hey, you want to do uh, the Wed Bed Behead this week? And they're always so tickled um, because it's fun for them, right? Like they've got, and then we always chat with them a little bit before the game and just like, what are, what do you like about the show? Or what are you doing this week? Or, oh, you just, one person had just got back from Dragon Con. Tell us what Dragon Con was like. Was that, what, what did you dress as? What was that like? Because everybody has something, right? Everybody has something that they're doing or something that they're interested in. Um, and it's, it's great to have a space to share that. And I, you know, I think that's one of the things I love about how podcasting has just exploded over the past few years, you know, especially since quarantine. Um, people have stuff to say, you know, it's cool to, to have a, a way to share that. And I think if you give people a space, as you are doing, thank you, um, you know, people, uh, people appreciate it and, and will we'll, we'll rise to the challenge and, and have something, you know, give you something back, give you some of their time and, um, and expertise or jokes or whatever it is, right, that they have to share. Yeah. But uh, switching gears just a little bit here. Um, mm -hmm. So you're a writer. Um, you write under the pseudonym R.J. Uh, Spirico, right? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like, what do you write about and do you have any published work that listeners can check out? So most I have. Um, so in under my own name, I have I have written you know, just like nonfiction academic stuff. I've edited some. Um, uh, local, um, like local creative nonfiction and all that sort of you know, stuff. Yeah. We did a we did a project called Foothills Voices, which I was really proud of because we're here in, like I said, Appalachia, East Tennessee, um, and so we wanted to you know create a, a at the place where I used to work, the library we used to work, we wanted to create a place where people could again have a voice, right, tell their stories. Um, my own writing, which I do under the name, pseudonym R.J. Sparko, that's that's my husband's initials and my initials he's R for Rob and um and we write fantasy fiction like classic fat fantasy novels um we've written some short stuff um but the the novel is basically done it's just that my husband kind of is taking a pass through it he wanted you know to give it one more one more go around um we've been writing that we have started that book a really long time ago um like literally like two decades ago probably when my when my daughter was a, a tiny one um and um, we've recently kind of said we're gonna we're gonna go back and look at that, and it was so bad, dude. When we pulled, <laughs> oh, wow. you know, like, <laughs> it was not great. I mean, it wasn't terrible, but you know, it's still better than Fifty Shades. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but you know, we we wanted it to be more interesting. So our goal is to, you know, we love fat fantasy novels we grew up with you know the Robert Jordans of the world that you know that whole thing um Ted Williams um and what we want and what we want to read is books like that right that capture that you know these 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 epic stories that's why we play Dungeons and Dragons right you want you want to have these adventures you want to have fun you want there to be things maybe that are a little dark and tense and sometimes things are a little fun um but we didn't want it to be just a bunch of like white men running around, you know, like the same, the same mold, right? We wanted to push, you know, not really push the boundaries of the genre so much because it's still very much just sort of classic adventure fantasy, but we wanted, you know, the, we wanted 
the the we wanted there to be different races or different you know skin colors they're fantasy races but you know i mean the different skin colors of people different types of people we didn't want um you know to have all the dwarves are like this and they all have beards and they all are greedy for gold and the elves are all tall and they have pale skin and they're beautiful and you know we wanted to we wanted to give people the adventure the epic adventure side of it without those cliches and a ton of people are doing this like this is a great time to read fantasy because there's a lot of people doing a lot of really interesting stuff um so that's that's where our heads at the book the book is called horn and heart sword and it is the first of several books and um to be continued i guess it should be out it should be out soon i um i also write uh slightly trashier stuff um under the name carolyn cups which i think i'm going to change because i've decided that's a stupid pseudonym and why do i need a pseudonym i'll just write under my name so that's like paranormal romance and it's super fun and it's set in um here in the appalachia where magic is real you know there's real all the folk tales that we have around here about Spearfinger and Haley Poe and some of those stories that uh, Appalachian folks might know have, have sort of come are real. They were never um, they were never not real. And and so the main character who is a woman with a disability because I wanted there to be a romance heroine who has a visible disability. And so those um, those are forthcoming as well. The problem with being a writer and a middle aged person and a podcaster. And having a day job is that it's very easy. I have ADHD, as you might have noticed. I do jump around. Um, having ADHD also means that I do a lot of different things, and I don't necessarily finish them in a timely fashion. So yeah. I toss one ball in the air and catch the other one, and then pick the other ball up and you know throw the other one. So <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you like you like being a podcast host and a writer and this and that and this and that. Did he ever? like blend into one another and cross over and how do you how do you deal with that how do you manage yeah. it if you can i how i how i manage it is by not sleeping enough probably um i actually do have another podcast under the kind of as as as, as rj sparko um which has been on hiatus for what is it as we're recording this it's kind of mid-october so it's been on hiatus for about three or three and a half months um, mm -hmm. for that reason because it was just too much um, I'm the one who edits uh, Be Gay, Do Piracy, and I'm just not, you know, I'm a self-taught kind of editor, um, audio engineer, and so it kind of takes me a long time. I'm getting better and I'm getting faster, but it takes me a while. And then I edit my other podcast, which is called My Favorite Character, and I just talk to different creative people about who their favorite character in, um, you know, in fiction uh, is, um, or, you know, movies or, or whatever. We've talked about Dracula, and we've talked about... Um, Jen Sing Shi from uh, uh, Blanking, um, Scum Villains self self saving system, and talked about you know Alice from Alice in Wonderland, and just a bunch of different you know a rant, a wild range. Of but again, I edit that one, so that's why that so that one had to go on hold for a while just because it's it's too much. Um, when I started Big A Do Piracy, the first the very first one, I was so excited, and I literally stayed up all night editing it, and so I posted it at like. I don't know, seven in the morning. And I had been up, like I had pulled an all-nighter because I was just like running on adrenaline. Um, but, you know, you can't do that. <laughs> you can't do that every week. Um, so I've, uh, uh, I've, been, I've been, you know, sort of plotting on my time. But that's why the writing has been a little bit um, on hold, just because it felt like the momentum was here, you know, was with, was with the podcast. And um, so I, you know, I, I juggle 
and I drop some balls sometimes, but you know what? Pick them back up. It's okay. Yeah. That's how I was when I did my first TV show overview. It was of um, the anime Inuyasha. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And I recorded it. It took me like four hours because I did season one and two all in one episode. And I, wow. learned, I learned not to do that. The, the That's next a lot, Kayla. Yeah. So it took me four hours to record it. And like, I didn't know anything about like editing and how stuff worked. So I was kind of like figuring it out as I went. That's kind of like how I do stuff because sure. unless you sit down next to me and show me how to do this and walk me through it, I like if I try to read it, my mind is just going to skip over a bunch of lines or right. I'm just going to start focusing on something else because then I get bored. I'm like, right. You need to show me how to do it. So me getting that hands-on experience is pretty much how I do all of this. You know, how I have my questions already written down. uh, That's just to help me keep on track, right? Um, Yeah, yeah. uh, Yeah. The intros and the outros and then, you know, scheduling and things like that. Again, it's just to help me keep everything together because if I don't, I'm going to get off track. I'm going to start rambling. I'm going to forget a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And it's gonna be just really chaotic. But I had to learn that, like, even even asking people the preliminary questions before we do our interviews, like asking things like pronouns, because I've mm-hmm. spoken with people who are um trans, who are like openly trans, and they would ask me that. And I was like, Well, I should start asking everybody that, even right. if I already know what they are, just to, for yeah. them to be more comfortable and for me to be more comfortable with yeah. just normalizing it in a way. Right. Yeah, um, I think that's a really good point. Just normalizing it so that everybody, yeah, everybody has it. It sounds like our learning process might be similar. I am um, just about a month ago. I had my friend. Um, I have a friend who is an audio engineer, as it turns out, and um, does like commercials, voiceovers for commercials and stuff, kind of as a sideline. He's the one who did the voiceover. If anybody has listened to Big Baby Piracy, he's the one who does the, the voice like this. And I said, "Will you come over and watch me edit?" Like just to see if I'm basically if I'm doing it wrong. Like, like I know how it sounds at the end, but like, am I doing it? Like, am I making it harder than I has to? Because like you, I just kind of learned it by doing. I didn't. I I can't. I'm the same way. I could I could read a whole document about it, and I have. I've tried to watch like YouTube videos. And, okay, this is how this guy's doing it. Um. So he did. He like sat at my elbow, and I said, "So I do this, and then I do this, and I do that." And he gave me a couple of tips, and that really helped. But um. Luckily, I wasn't too far off. Yeah, it was. It's 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 a real. Um, I think we're lucky that the technology is pretty accessible, so we can you know teach ourselves. Yeah. It's not like you know back in the day when you had all kinds of specialized equipment or or whatever. But, uh, uh-huh. but yeah, I have two unfinished PhDs. So, uh, and I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that like is the opposite of bragging. Like I have ADHD. Like <laughs> it's hard for me to stay on task. Uh-huh. So, uh, so uh, I feel like uh, I feel like I'm I'm doing pretty well to learn the things that I'm learning and hopefully getting a little bit better and faster. You know, as I as I go video editing, my hat's off to you. I think that's a, I don't a bridge do too far for me. Video editing at all. That's why I try to. That's why it's pre-recorded. Thankfully, because if it's live, <laughs> I don't and it messes up. I don't know what to tell you. It just messed up. But <laughs> I just do it. I just put the video out there. Um, and all I, I just add on um an, 
a couple seconds of an intro and outro video that I made up just like in the, my hallway right here in front of my bookcase. <laughs> and then I add on music. Like I had to learn how to loop stuff to loop the music that I put on there. And that's it. Like I don't edit anything. Good for you. That's, that's I, more I, than I know how to do. Because I don't know. I don't know how to do anything and I don't have time to learn how to do anything. Like I'm focused on something else. So yeah. it, thankfully it's pre-recorded so I can just be done with it. <laughs> it's just one <laughs> last thing I have to do. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, what advice would you offer if you could to other creators? It can be, you know, someone who wants to start a podcast. It can be someone who wants to do writing. It can be just anything creative or any advice you have to offer that you learned along the way. Yeah that you wish someone would have told you when you first started? I mean, I would say my my big advice, I was thinking about this because I think you had, you had told me you, you would ask this. If you love it, someone else is going to love it. You know, there's so much advice out there. Um, I, I do writing workshops and, and stuff like that. And people, there's a ton of advice about, oh, this is how you find your audience and this is how you market your book or your podcast or whatever, right? And that's all really good stuff. Like, don't don't necessarily ignore those people. But in your heart of hearts, if it's something you love, if you love the story, or you're doing a podcast about, you know, a show, you're going to do a video series about Inuyasha or whatever it is, right? If you love it, somebody else is going to love it, right? So so don't don't second guess yourself. Like, go ahead and make that thing, do that thing, um, and then you can figure out how to find those people who love it. Right? That that can happen later. But don't not do it because you think, oh, this weird thing that I'm interested in, I'm going to do a podcast about artisanal ketchups or I don't know, whatever, whatever weird thing you have, right? That you think is your own idiosyncratic thing. If you love it, somebody else loves it. And I think we've learned that like through the internet, right? There's this whole world of all us weirdos. And so many of us are all by ourselves thinking, oh, I'm the only person who loves this show or this book or this kind of story this much and you're really not you're not the only one um i would also say just do do what you can like if you're a writer write fan fiction like don't don't tell yourself i'm not a real writer because i write fan fiction you are definitely a real writer um you know if you if you love if podcasting is what you want to do just start doing it right if you're in school right see if you can do the announcements for your high school or, or, or get on your college radio station. Like all that kind of experience is great, but it's so accessible. The microphones are not very expensive. Libraries, check them out. Just start doing it. And that'll, you know, you, you'll, you'll find your people, I think. Um, so that's my, that's my main advice. I spent a lot of time like feeling like a weird, a weird person, you know, who liked this weird stuff. And nobody else likes the same stuff I do. They really did. They really do. There's somebody out there who loves the same thing you love. So do your thing. Write it, tell it, go for it. That, that would be my main advice. Yeah. When So when I did the Inuyasha, like it took me four hours to record it. And then when I edited it, finally edited it, it was like maybe 90 minutes. And it's mm -hmm. actually, last time I checked, it's actually like the top rated or listened to episode that I've done. <laughs> Which is really surprising because how long it is, and I'm like, right. I, I didn't mean I know I know a lot of people like Inuyasha, like it just got a reboot with like um, with the kids now with Inuyasha and mm -hmm. Kagome's kids and stuff like that. Right, right. right. So you know, there's an audience there, but I didn't realize anybody would 
want to listen to it and it'd be the most listened to episode of all the episodes that I've done last last time I checked I haven't checked it since Um, because you know because people will tell you if you research like oh you know like YouTube metrics or or whatever right they'll tell you 90 minutes right now I'm never making my should be here's the best length you know or here's you know the best length for a podcast or this is the best length for a video and like I know that's drawn from real statistics or whatever, but you're living proof, right? If it, people are interested in it, they will listen to 90 minutes. I love Inuyasha. 90 minutes sounds like a short time to listen to somebody talk about Inuyasha. So it's, you know, you found you found your people. Like, they're, you found your Inuyasha people. Yeah. I'm one of them. You found me. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen the new, um, the new show yet. It's just, I haven't my either. list is just piling up with stuff. Oh my gosh. People keep asking me, have you watched, have you watched, have you watched? I'm like, I'm so proud of myself that I caught up with Rings of Power on time, like in a timely fashion. It's too much, y'all. It's too much great stuff out there. I mean, it's good. this is a good problem to have. But. Yeah, I haven't caught up with Rings of Power. I haven't even finished Boba, Boba Fett. Like, Uh-oh. I haven't seen. I'm behind on, I'm behind on the MCU. I think I'm, I, that was... I'm behind on because we, that's when I would start the podcast and everything was was going down back in the spring. So I'm way behind um, on those shows. But you know what? Here's the thing: it's still going to be there. It's all good. Yeah. But um, throughout your whole process, it can be with your writing, it can be with the show, um, and well, actually, not even with that. Just say you have that handle. You have the writing handle. You and your husband. And you and Lee have the show handle. So that's not something you're too worried about. But things like outside of the show. So saying like, you know, times trying to I guess, spend time with your husband and your daughter and whomever else, your friends and, you know, pets or like trying to deal with bills and <laughs> maybe even some time to yourself. Right. So mm-hmm. do you or did you ever get overwhelmed? Um, does it ever become too much? And when it does, how do you typically manage your mental well-being when it does? Yeah, it definitely, it definitely becomes too much. You know, I um, I've mentioned a couple of times that I have ADHD. That is mm-hmm. a recent thing for me. I didn't know, um, and that I had the that I had had that until recently. Um, and I didn't start therapy until twenty. Well, it was before quarantine, so maybe late twenty nineteen. Um. So through that and through that process, I have been really like working on myself, right? Like being aware of, um, I'm not, I'm not bipolar, but I do have very distinct like up and down phases. And I remember once going to work when he's working in the library thinking like, I'm in one of my up phases. I'm going to get so much done, you know? So I was kind of aware that it was happening, but I wasn't mindful about it. So one of the things I've really been working hard on over these past few years, right? is kind of knowing myself. And trying to be aware of like when that overwhelm starts happening. Um, when I when I had when I when I had kids, you know, I, I remember reading about um, how they can get overstimulated, right? That's why you see babies crying in stores a lot of the times, right? They're not necessarily hungry or wet or anything. They're just overstimulated. And I thought, holy moly, that happens to me, right? And it's 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 like we were saying before about labels, like having having some of these words and terms helps me. So knowing. I get overstimulated. I have ADHD. I have these phases. And just trying to be mindful. So when I feel that thing, whatever it is, starting, 
like checking in with myself, right? So you need to step back or, you know, I have all this stuff I need to do today. I'm going to take a nap instead. I'm just not going to do those things. And it's been really hard, like giving yourself permission. I think we, you know, we're, we're recording this in America. I think Americans particularly are, we, we have this, this sort of culture of being on the go all the time and, you know, and, and, and there's, there's media all the time to watch and listen to. And, you know, our jobs, you know, kind of want us to be in touch all the time or whatever, right? We're supposed to be kind of like constantly going. It's this very capitalist, you know, kind of, kind of mindset. And so giving ourselves permission to not go all the time um, is really important. I did that with the podcast back in the summer. I just, um, I had some physical issues. My, um, my hand, um, I got really, um, my hand was immobilized. I had some really significant pain issues and uh, I just couldn't use my right hand. And the specific motions of, of editing, it's just like real repetitive, tiny motions, but very repetitive. And I was like, I can't do this. And I just, I was like, I, I do the podcast. I do it every week. I have to do it every week. And you know what? I don't. I give myself permission. This is not, nobody is going to be hurt. No one is going to die or be injured. No one is going to lose money. Like no one is going to be harmed if you stop doing the podcast for, for a while. I put my other one on hold, like I said, and I put the Gave You Piracy on hold for a month. And you know what? When I came back and I was still kind of checking in on Twitter every now and then, people were like, oh, that's great. A new episode. Yay. We're happy. Like nobody said, where have you been? I can't believe you were gone for a month. And so I think just being aware of yourself, like knowing whether it's an emotional or a physical need. And, and for me, it has been both at different times. Um, you know, there's lots of little tricks. You know, my therapist has, I have some little, um, you know, some little, I don't know, mantras is the wrong word, but like little visualizations that I do. Like if I'm feeling really stressed out, just kind of like close my eyes, sit down, you know, kind of pull back. That really helps. But um, just kind of, it doesn't help if you are not clued into yourself. So I would just say to anybody, whether or not you're familiar with, whether you do meditation or, you know, whatever it is that you do just knowing yourself where's like you're if you're driving the car right what's your body doing are you holding on to the steering wheel you know like like a death grip right where's that tension in your body and just really being aware of it that i know it sounds kind of dumb but it's simplistic maybe not dumb it's such a big deal just being aware i am starting to feel stressed out or I am starting to feel tired and giving yourself permission to step back. I am well aware as I'm saying this, that I am in a position of privilege. Like I have a job that if I need to get up from my desk and I do have a desk that I sit at, so I don't have to stand, right? Like a lot of people do. I can stand up from that and I can go out the door and walk up and down the sidewalk, right? My job lets me do that. And I am well aware that not everybody's job permits that, right? That not everybody has a situation where they can, give themselves even a 10 minute break which is a crime and should not you know everybody nobody should be should live like that because our system does not permit everybody to so so i'm aware that i have a lot of advantages um you know with, with that but um but if nothing else just you know when you are done when you are at a place where you can step away give yourself permission don't think like oh my god i've been at work all day and now i've got to go home and 
play with the kids or whatever, or I've got to get caught up on Boba Fett or whatever it is, right? Give yourself permission to not be caught up. Give yourself permission to not do things. And I think um, it's hard. The messages are, are the opposite of that, I think. But just check in with yourself. Like, do you need 10 minutes? Do you need a week? Do you need to not do this thing right now? Um, and give yourself permission to not do it. I think that's, that's, that has, I think quite literally saved, saved my life. Like I, you know, I'm, I'm so much better than I was. I, I have been through some, some bad emotional times, you know, a few years ago, I have done the thing. I have punched a hole in, in sheetrock. Um, it's, that's not good. That's, that's, you're not a, you're not in a good headspace when that's the way you're expressing your feelings, you know? Um, and, uh, so I've, I've been working hard on, 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 on my stuff, but I think everybody can at least do that sort of check in, you know, there's, I mean, there's apps, right? If you're a person who, who, who wants, you know, apps, there's a ton of really good, like mindfulness apps. Those all help, like whatever, whatever is going to help you do it, like do that thing, give yourself permission to do it. I think that's the big step. Yeah. I had to kind of give myself permission to take the hiatus and even like I think I took a nap maybe like a week ago and that was the first time I took a nap probably in months right and wow. that some tension for me because I was going to do some other stuff outside of you know the podcast and my writing and um like my friend kind of had to talk me into doing the hiatus he's like you have to you have to take a break you have to even big network shows going hiatus because they need to have that break right and he's also the person that he's like he is he's he just turned 50 in um uh like september and he's my dungeon master for a lot of my games he's actually the first one i started playing with and he also has just been diagnosed with adhd um he said he he like gives me credit for it, which I'm like, you don't need to do that because I was sharing a lot of information about ADHD because I haven't been officially diagnosed with it, but I identify with a lot of the, I guess, I wouldn't say symptoms of it. I don't know what you would call it. I guess characteristics of yeah, yeah. would probably be better. Um, but yeah, he was the one that kind of talked me into it. And then I just have to really give my permission, myself permission to take a break and to just not do anything for a while you know just because everything is starting to become more like a chore than Mm -hmm. what I actually enjoy doing in a way so I mean there was a time where I think I didn't have an episode up for maybe like a week or two and like you said nobody got mad nobody was like harassing me for an episode or anything like that because that's what you we think like because that's how we've been uh like trained pretty much our entire lives is that you have to sh- at least show up when it's like no you you kind of don't actually like nobody's looking for you no one's gonna be worried about you um I mean other than the people that care but no one's gonna be mad that an episode didn't go up as long as you know maybe you come back maybe you don't maybe keep an open line of communication or maybe not I mean that's if there's any right. consequences from that you'll just deal with it later you don't have to deal right. with it right now so yeah yeah. All right. Well, my last question for you, Jen, is what is your idea of success? Right. So I ask that because as creators, 
if we're not getting our regular paychecks from a full-time job or making consistent revenue from our art, we're considered failures or um, mm -hmm. we'll consider ourselves failures. Many of us will put our dreams and projects on a back burner or give them up altogether be it because this career path um, or this, I guess you can say, pursuit of whatever it is that we want to do creatively can be highly intimidating and competitive. So what is your idea of quote unquote success? Such a great question. You know, I think again, like like you exactly like you said, we have this sort of imposed artificial standard, right? Um, you know, I'll I'll be a success when I sell a thousand copies or a million copies or when I am getting an advance or whatever. You know, we didn't really talk a lot about about how podcasting is accessible. Publishing is so accessible now. Like people are self-publishing with like it used to be like people sort of were like oh self-publishing that's not real yeah. but it is real and such great stuff is out there that people are you know because they have the tools because there's you know there's there's self-publishing tools I mean I would say I'm trying to think of a way to say this it doesn't sound like a cop-out like I'm not I'm not really answering um I mean I think it's I, I think it's gonna be a little bit different for everybody um, but I would say when you when you are reaching an audience, right? I don't. There's not a certain standard like X number of listeners or X number of readers or X number of sales or whatever. Um, I'd say when you are reaching an audience, then you then you're a success. Um, I um, with the podcast, I, I I keep hitting little milestones. Like when we got 500 followers on Twitter, I was like, holy wow. 500 people and then we and we did a little we did a like a, a crazy fun thing where lee like did the makeup for me and then um and then we had a thousand i was like a thousand followers I and mean, i just you know so if you had told me i was gonna have a thousand followers on twitter because of this silly podcast that i do i would have said get out of town but 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 what really felt the successful was the first time somebody replied on on you know on, on twitter and was like I really like your show or, or replied back to something I had said on the show. And it just, it just really hit me in the heart. I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. That's, this is what I wanted. Um, you know, this is what I want. I mean, sure. It would be great if this was my job, right? If, if I was, if I was, if I was able to not, even though I have a really um, good, you know, good, fulfilling day job it's still a day job and you have to go at a certain time and you know like the dream would be to not have to do that the dream would be to make a living from create from creativity and, and writing and podcasting um which i'm you know hopefully hopefully headed towards but that doesn't make you a success that just means you're a person who's making a living from your work i i would say you're a success when you when you when you have, when you have reached that audience when you're getting that feedback um somebody two weeks ago Kendall Wells, who I mentioned, did some kind of interview. I don't remember who it was with. And someone else retweeted his thing about that and said, well, you know, he was on the premiere, Our Flag Means Death podcast. And I almost dropped my phone. I was like, "Get it? really? Are, are we the premiere? Our Flag Means Death there, there are a couple of others, I know. And it just, anytime someone who I don't personally know you know, mentions us on socials or emails me or whatever, that, that's a success. That feels like success to me. 
same thing with with writing when someone says oh I really enjoyed this article that you did or I really like this I connected with this story anytime I get a kudo on AO3 you know those are those feel like a success now that's not commercial success which is a whole other maybe you know unattainable I don't know for different people whether you want that or not it's your own it's your own deal um lee and i always joke uh, they're a leo and i'm a scorpio so we always say lee needs your um adoration i just need your attention <laughs> i don't care like me i just need attention um so i really do you know i'm a little bit i i bask i bask in the glow <laughs> of people's vision and every time i get one of those little sparks it feels like a success to me yeah i, I pretty much feel the same way um for me, nowadays, I don't really have to reach out to anybody for interviews. They kind of come to me for them. And I'm like, where did you all come from? Because, I mean, yeah. I didn't think I had that large of a reach to people. Um, and, I mean, I, I try to, what me doing these interviews, these creator interviews, is just connecting with people, really. That's just all kind of that's just all what I want to do is connect with other creators because a lot of these questions are questions that I kind of ask myself and just looking for advice from other people on like how do you deal with it? Because I don't like how do you deal with your mental well-being and your mental health with stuff like this? Because I'm struggling. So how do you deal with it? Or how what is your creative process with this? Because I don't really know what I'm doing and I need a little bit of help, right? And yeah. Um, I mean, I've written on AO3 and I'm still getting a couple of kudos and comments here and there. And I have to write part two of something that I haven't started yet. And people are like, where's part two? I was like, you're reading this? Really? You're still <laughs> reading this? I wrote this two years ago. All right. I guess I got to write it then if people keep asking. And I don't know what it came from. Like, where did you even come from? So, yeah, I mean... That's pretty much like this, like I said, and then like you have the professional dashboard on Instagram and telling you your reach. And I'm like, really? Where do you all like again, where did you all even come from? So I right. guess just again, just making that connection with people, um, getting the replies and to see what they liked, um, what they didn't like. I mean, I haven't gotten to that point yet where people don't like stuff. Um, and then yeah, it's just people want people wanting to come on the show and gaining traction um as natural as possible because i don't have any money to to pay for ads so right um yeah. well is there anything else jen that you wanted to touch on about bk do piracy the podcast um, or writing or anything else any articles not, that yeah not necessarily i just um you know i just wanted to to, to say that you know i um I always, I've, I've told the story before, but like when I started this podcast, I, I felt like I would die if I didn't do it. Like I felt like all my excitement in, and I felt so strongly about this show that it was just bubbling up inside me. Um, do, what do what y'all who are listening, what do you have bubbling up inside you? You know, like um, that I would say, do, you know, tap into that, do that thing. Um, it's it's hard. Like people who tell you that writing is a cushy job, or podcasting is a cushy job. Like it's physically maybe a cushy job. Like we obviously we have you know some flexibility and it's great that you know we can you know we can we can use our brains um, and and mouths instead of you know instead of our backs and our hands. But um, 
but it's not easy, right? Just because it's not physically demanding doesn't mean it's easy. It mm-hmm. takes a lot out of you. Just like you were saying, Kayla, it takes it takes your energy and, and your attention. Um, so I would say if you don't feel that pressure, right? You don't have those ideas. You don't have that inspiration or, you know, whatever people want to call it, right? Bubbling up inside you. Don't necess- don't feel like you have to do it, right? If people are saying like, oh, you should have a podcast to promote your writing and that would give you cross-market uh, saturation. Well, okay, but if you are inspired, if you're writing, just write. And if you're inspired to do a podcast, do one. But don't do it because the market tells you you should do it because it's hard and it takes a lot out of you. And if you love it, it's absolutely worth it, 100%. Um, getting to meet people like like you, Kayla, and just connecting with folks. And, you know, I have several folks on Twitter who I genuinely consider my friends um, that we've connected over over this over this show. Um, that's meaningful to me, but it it's hard. You know, it's it is it is work. Um, creative work is work. So I do just want to emphasize that. But by all means, you should absolutely do it. If that's, if that's inside you, you should definitely do it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well. Again, I want to thank the writer and co-host of the Be Gay, Do Privacy podcast, Jennifer Spierko, for joining us here today. All of Jen's socials and link for the Be Gay, Do Privacy podcast will be listed in this episode's details for those who are interested. Again, I'm K.S. Garner, and you've been listening to the Solo Nervous podcast. Thank you. Thank you.